back to the Ed Morrissey Show, and today is Tuesday, July 26, 2022. Lots of news this morning. Uh, maybe the most interesting news this morning is something that happened last night, late yesterday. CBS News reports that Chuck Grassley, who is right now the ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, will likely be the ranking member if Republicans take back the Senate in uh, the midterms has sent a note over to Chris Ray, the Christopher Ray, the FBI director, saying that highly credible whistleblowers within the FBI are alleging that the FBI has been running political interference for Hunter Biden and Joe Biden over Hunter Biden's criminal activities uh, since mid-2020. So they would have been interfering with the process of the election by falsely labeling accurate information as disinformation in an attempt to distract people from Hunter Biden's corrupt activities. That is a letter that's going over and Grassley's making some very specific and explicit charges in this, including, and this is I think the most interesting part of this, that the FBI set up an unrequested security briefing for the Judiciary Committee, hadn't requested it, and, um, and it turned out to be sort of a nothing burger, but then used that to leak information to promote the idea that this was dif disinformation. Uh, Grassley sounds pretty darn hot about that, and he wants some answers. And I think this is going to be a story that will be interesting to follow to see just how far this gets reported in the media. Remember that the media tried to quash the whole Hunter Biden story in 2020, which was helped out by the FBI's apparent disinterest in Hunter Biden's activities. And up, right up to the moment of the election when the New York Post started reporting on the contents of Hunter Biden's hard drive, uh, not only did they ignore the story, they actively suppressed it. They refused to cover it. Social media platforms began locking out people who were discussing this, including the New York Post itself, who found its account locked for a full week for trying to get the story out. And the story turned out to be accurate as we found out the next year, last year, the Department of Justice uh, acknowledged that it was investigating the information that was found on the hard drive and had uh, confirmed that it was valid information. That is, I think, um, a story that should get legs. We'll see how far other media outlets go with this, but this is an interesting turn in, in the whole idea of the election being um, uh, cooked and problematic, it's uh, problematic on both sides. And this is a side which has thus far been not terribly well plumbed by the media. Other really interesting stories, and all of pundits actually writing about this, CNN now reports that John Roberts indeed did try to lobby uh, Brett Kavanaugh to keep Roe in place in the Dobbs decision and to and to um, pull him out of the majority that wanted to overturn it. Now, why does that matter? Um, it does matter in terms of who leaked the draft and why. It's, it's at least now plausible that the leak came from one of the conservative uh, justices or their clerks in order to freeze the vote. It's still possible it could have been pro-choice, but it's, it certainly makes it a little bit more plausible that uh, Roberts trying to twist Brett Kavanaugh's arm may have prompted a conservative pro-life clerk or employee of the court to to uh, leak the document. We'll probably never know. It's also plausible that it might have been Roberts or one of his clerks who did that. Um, so again, we'll probably never know. <laughs> but it's it's certainly an interesting twist. All the pundits going to have a lengthy um, uh, 
uh, analysis of that. If it's not already up, you, you are definitely going to want to read that. Uh, we also have um, information about the principal, Rob Elementary in Uvalde, being placed on paid administrative leave after a Texas legislature committee, legislative committee, excuse me, uh, found really gross misconduct within the school, not just from um, uh, uh, Mandy Gutierrez, but really most of the staff. And if Gutierrez is on the way out, I, I would imagine that other people are going to be on the way out too. And we can have a debate over school security and whether we're over hardening schools. But when you have people who are actively undermining the security uh, processes and, and equipment that were put in place to keep schools safe, that is a huge problem. That's exactly what the committee found. And we're starting to slowly, slowly see accountability from Uvalde School District and Rob Elementary on this. And of course, we're still waiting for some accountability with the police department on the other side of that response. Um, but this is, I think, a very interesting uh, turn of events in Uvalde. Uh, more more stories today. We've got Karen Townsend's going to be talking about a, um, a new plan from the House Sergeant at Arms to increase security for um, rank and file members. You know, leadership has its own security, but rank and file members do not. And after the attack on Lee Zeldin, who's a member of the House is also campaigning for governor in New York. Uh, it appears that that's going to be um, prompting uh, more security, which is going to cost more money. But, uh, you know, again, it might be worth it to do that. Uh, Jazz has got a bunch of good stuff up here today. And uh, he's got a sort of a personal reflection on Samantha Bee's cancellation at TBS, which he says is less about the politics and more just about the trend in late night television. You'll definitely want to uh, read that. On Friday's podcast, we were talking with A.J. Kaufman. I was talking with A.J. Kaufman about uh, the primary races in Missouri and Arizona. And a new poll, in fact, two new polls out of Missouri show that Eric Greitens has lost a lot of momentum in Missouri. He is in third place in both polls after leading in that race. Eric Greitens, of course, being the disgraced former governor who was forced to resign over a um, revenge porn slash extortion allegation and uh, also some campaign finance um uh, allegations as well, was just about two steps away from being impeached when he resigned office in 2018, wanted to make a comeback and was leading the Republican GOP primary for a while. But now uh, Attorney General Eric Schmidt has um, gotten into the lead. Vicki Hartzler is in second place in both Trafalgar and Emerson. Emerson has Schmidt way out in front of Greitens um, and Hartzler uh, well ahead of him too in, in second place. Trafalgar, is, it's much more narrow, but it's, it shows Schmidt and uh, Hartzler in first and second place. And the Republicans may end up dodging a bullet here in Missouri and, and, and finding a candidate that's actually electable in the general election. Uh, but, you know, it's still close, and especially if you're looking at Trafalgar. So uh, I break that down and explain, you know, what the deal is going to be for the next week. Their primary is uh, a week from today, so it's worth watching. I also have a story up about Gielan. Uh, Gillen Maxwell and being assigned to a low security, apparently short term federal prison, which is more like a club fed artist colony. If you look at the manual and questioning how that decision was made for somebody who's facing a 20 year sentence for sex trafficking minors, uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. And it's almost it's almost begging for an escape attempt here. Uh, plus, We'll take a look at uh, how Lindsey Graham may have been vindicated in Fulton County, Georgia, 
after a judge rebuked the um, DA down there for playing politics with the investigation into fake electors and disqualified, disqualified her in terms of one of the targets of that investigation, uh, a person who's running for lieutenant governor on the Republican side. So that's worth watching as well. Coming up next, our weekly conversation with Andrew Malcolm. You're not going to want to miss that, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today's Tuesday, and as always on Tuesdays, we talk to the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, Andrew Malcolm, <laughs> at A.H. Malcolm, on your uh on your Twitters, Twitterses and redstate.com, of course, uh, where he is a VIP uh, contributor and also a podcast contributor. Uh, uh, the Malcolm on the Right series, episode 19, went up this week. So uh, got to check that out. And um, we, we got to start off with um, Joe Biden's uh, answer on, on a recession on Monday afternoon. He was asked whether or not there was, whether or not a, a recession was coming. And he said, and I quote, God willing, I don't think we're going to see a recession. That to me is a sure sign, Andrew Malcolm, that uh, we're going to see a recession. That's exactly right. Well, the numbers come out this week. This is going to be a heck of a week for Thursday. Him. I keep saying Wednesday, but yeah, you're right. On uh, Thursday, it's coming out. Yeah. Uh, well, but there's 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 consumer confidence. There's uh, con uh, inflation numbers. There's all kinds of numbers coming out this week, and they're not likely to be any good for him. Um, or his press secretary, who doesn't know much. Um, the uh, recession, the common definition of recession, as you know, is two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. Well, we have one, and um, suspicion is that we'll, we're, we're going to have another. And then he'll say, well, it's only temporary, which is what he said about inflation 14 months ago. <clears throat> so uh, it wasn't temporary. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, I, I get what they're saying about the NBER, right? I mean, technically speaking, that's what most economists use. They don't really have a they don't really use the, you know, the two quarters thing. The problem is, is that. <laughs> There's about 95% overlap between those two things. If you have two quarters of negative growth, chances are the fundamentals are going to show that there's a, a recession. Now, the problem is that the NBER takes months to make that determination. They they wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then they go back and say, oh, yeah, the recession started in this month of this year. And it ended in the month this month of that, of that year. And um, people are going to feel it a hell of a lot sooner then the NBER is going to declare it. And yeah. they're already feeling it. I mean, that's inflation makes it feel like you're in a recession because your buying power is eroding. As you as you stand in place, your buying power is eroding and it's eroding fast in this particular case. And Walmart has noticed it. Walmart has announced uh, this week that they're cutting prices and they also cut their profit forecasts for the, yep. for the quarter and the year. Uh, so... Um, I tell you what, if Walmart sees things slacking off, um, I think they're slacking off. Well, they're, they're seeing things slack off. And I mean, Walmart and Target, right? And they've been saying this for a few months now, which is that their customers are moving to generics yeah. inside the store because they're trying to save money now that their buying power has been reduced. Um, 
What I found interesting was the Wall Street Journal, I think it was last week, saying uh, that a surprising number of people who make over $250,000 a year are also living paycheck to paycheck and are starting to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, if you're talking about people who make quarter million dollars a year are, are, are saying that the, they're having to pinch pennies at this point in time, that's a, that's a big red flag, right? That's a big it warning sure sign. Is. It, it sure is. I think they, I suspect they have that money tied up <laughs> in investments and it would hurt them to take it out. Um, yeah, yeah, I suspect they're also terrible. overextended, which is probably part of the, you know, you know, this right. is a, you know, the, that's right. Yeah, you can be, be over, you can make a lot of money and still be overextended. In fact, it's not really all that uncommon, but you know, if you're overextended, then all of a sudden you get runaway inflation like we haven't seen in forty years. Uh, yeah, you're going to be living paycheck to paycheck and trying to figure out how to pay the bills at um, nine at nine plus percent. Yeah, year year over year inflation, which is well on the way to the thirteen percent 1980 that sunk jimmy carter's hopes so yeah yeah it's not looking good and i just uh you know we could talk about it if you want later but my column was on the totally klutzy communication shop that biden oh, has yeah i mean based on on pc things not not um qualifications but biden uh on a video conference boasting that gas prices were now only four dollars and sixty cents a gallon <laughs> i mean wow they went up How over two dollars they went up over two dollars a gallon oh you know 250 a gallon and he's taking and he said that that's putin's price hike they went down yeah. 60 cents oh well that's me <laughs> yeah yeah and and that's not good. I mean, <laughs> 450, 440, whatever it is, it's terrible. It's not good at all. And it's all because he's shortened our production line. I, I mean, right. shortened the production, uh, oil per energy production because of his silly ideological rules. And uh, which he's, I don't know why he's trying to curry favor with the left uh, so much, but uh, it's just pathetic. Just, path you know, I was in I was in state government once, and we were in a meeting, and one of the uh, directors of the of a department um, said that uh, he was very proud, and rightly so, because it's not an easy thing to do. He raised Montana's ranking uh, from 49th to 44th in terms of whatever it was. I don't remember. Uh, which still isn't good, but you know, it's a, it's a nice effort. And so the governor said, well, what do you think? Is that something that we can boast about? And I said, we're 44th, we're 44th. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I don't think so. No. And, and, and that's, and that's what Biden's doing about we're, we're 460, 460. Is it? Uh, no, Joe. And you know, he hasn't bought gas in years because of the Secret Service, and he'll never buy it again. Right, right. So he doesn't care. Yeah, I, <laughs> Even I'm thinking, if he knew what it meant. Do you remember that it was a jingle? I forget what it, I forget what the product was. I mean, this is one of the things where the jingle outlives the product, right? I mean, this is from like the 1970s or 1980s. The jingle was, we're number one, we're number one, we're number one. We're 44. Yeah, we're 40. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Just, yeah, no, I know. I'd say what you know, yes, congratulations, but 
<laughs> I wouldn't boast. I wouldn't boast about it yet. If you if you're going to say anything, you need to say it in percentage. You know, we moved up six six layers, six levels. Yeah. From the national ranking. Well, yeah. And then somebody will probably ask from what to what, and then you want to go to the bathroom. Right. Well, that brings us to another point. We're going to get back to your column, by the way, which is uh, Joe Biden's uh, sinking president can't can't be his uh, presidency can't be his fault. He needs new faces. We're going to get back to that in just a second. But before that, you need to avoid you need to avoid the uh, the blame. And now Joe Biden's been doing this for a very long time, right? He's been yeah. shifting oh, blame yeah. on inflation. Now, when the recession is going to hit, and it's going to hit, and it's not going to be. It's not going to be an easy or soft recession. This thing's going to get ugly. Um, one of our followers, one of our mutual followers, passively affable um, on Twitter, said, my God, the pouncing is going to be legendary. Let's all try to come up with our best exam approximation of the headlines for Thursday now. Mine is, quote, Republicans seen gains from report seek gains from reports of negative growth. Yeah. I I swear this guy's a time traveler because I guarantee you, yeah. If oh, not yeah. by if not by Thursday afternoon, by Friday morning, that will either be a, a headline at Politico or the Hill. Absolutely, <laughs> lots Absolutely. of pouncing, that, lots of pouncing, lots of seizing, lots of pouncing. And the Hill uh, this week had one. It said um, Trump cut out a passage in his speech uh, after the. The January sixth thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so now, it, yeah. So now we're going after him, or the media is going after him for what he didn't say. Right. Let's let's report so he, on the dog that didn't bark. Yeah. I mean, I, it's unbelievable how desperate they are to find stuff on him. There's plenty to get. You don't have to make it up like that. I mean, you look to me, the Hill looks very silly doing yeah. that. Well, um, the Hill's kind of silly. They, they have all sorts of silly headlines. They're very big on pouncing and seizing Republicans, by oh, the way. They do, that, they, do, they do that all the time. And sometimes it's just our headline writer, right? Sometimes the headline is awful. And this happens quite a bit. And you know from the newspaper business that, no. that there are, and I mean, I could tell a couple stories prior to me coming to hot air, but, um, <laughs> but I won't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, usually in newspapers, the people who are writing the headlines are not the reporters who wrote the story. And sometimes the headline writer just gets totally carried away and maybe not, didn't even read what the person wrote because it's almost contradicts what's underneath the headline. Yeah. Uh, this is not the case with these head, with these Hill headlines, but you can't blame the headlines on. Usually, you can't blame the headlines on the reporter. That's that's somebody else in the editing process that does that. But it tells you that's where the bias is at. Is it's in the editorial process. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is that those are the ranks of um, of journalists at at least at daily newspapers who have been savaged uh, by cutbacks for the last oh, probably twenty years. So now it's basically a skeleton staff, even in the better places. Um, and what do you do when you cut back? You cut the people you're paying the most, who are, by definition, the most experienced. So you have yeah. the younger the younger people. Uh, and I have nothing against youth. Um, I had one, but uh, I it it's. I don't know. I'm 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 of the opinion from uh, Frank Capris. It's a Wonderful Life. 
youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> that scene, that yeah. scene where there's where they're out there standing under the moon and Jimmy Stewart's just talking and talking and talking and talking and why don't you kiss her? <laughs> ah, youth is wasted on the young. The old guy just gets up off the porch and stomps into the house. <laughs> why don't you kiss her? <laughs> youth no, is wasted on the young. That's what I say. That, that wouldn't fly today. You know, no. the, the, the cartoon with... Um, who's the one in uh, where the where the the princess gets the poison apple and goes into a coma snow white Cinder no snow white snow white yeah, yeah. So, so snow white is lying on her catafalque and the prince comes in and if he kisses her she comes back to life and he leans down and he says oh no that wouldn't be consensual and he goes away and the last picture is just a skeleton of the princess yes. left, left in the bed <laughs> yeah and, and i mean and people really do have issues with that with that yeah. fairy tale because of the fact that the prince kisses her without her permission which yeah. yeah okay i get it you don't want you don't want you know um what do you call them mashers right you don't want people just yeah. kissing women without their consent <laughs> a it's a fairy tale first off and and b <laughs> he's trying to save her life but hey, whatever you know. Yeah, and he, he he doesn't know he's saving your life. But and then and then what about how does the prince feel who's a who's been uh, changed into a frog, or a toad? So if you kiss him, he becomes a prince again. But you're not going to kiss a frog because you can't get permission. That's right. Yeah, it's one ribbit for yes, two ribbits for no. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate. We're, we're, we're starting to get kind of far afield, Boy, which is something we do. on, ends on today. <laughs> um, but you, you write about how Biden needs some fresh faces around him. And, and I, I forget, I think I was talking with Dwayne a little bit about this, or it may have been one of my other guests. Uh, in fact, it was AJ Kaufman, I think, on, on Friday's uh, podcast. But this is something that I, I am very surprised about, right? When you have a president doing this badly, and this president is doing very badly. I mean, and it's not just job approval. He's cratering in personal favorability, too. He's in the low 30s there as well. This is almost uncharted territory. You know, it, this is below Trump. It's almost approaching Richard Nixon. And Nixon at least had won re-election first. Um, normally what you'd see is you'd see some personnel changes, right? To try to get a little breathing room, try to do a reset, you drop Mayorkas at, you know, DHS to bring in somebody who might be a little bit more amenable to the border security issue and, and border patrol agents. You drop Janet Yellen, although I don't think Yellen's the problem at, at Treasury, but you drop Janet Yellen to bring in somebody who might be more uh, credible when it comes to fighting inflation. You'd, you know, you, you, you bring in... Um, you, you get rid of Xavier Becerra because Xavier Becerra is an awful choice for that role at HHS anyway. But I mean, it, it, you know, and then you can start talking about you can do a reset on abortion and abortion services and all that sort of thing. And Biden's been around for 50 years. He knows this. This is the traditional role of the cabinet secretary. The, the first job duty of a cabinet secretary is falling on your sword when the president needs you. Needs needs yeah. a distraction, and yet exactly. they haven't made any changes there. I mean, isn't that odd? Yes, and to me, uh, it 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 shows 
that he's incapable of these decisions. He, he doesn't have a thinking process. And the people behind him who are really making the decisions, I guess, they don't, they don't care. They're not doing it, whether it's um, Susan Rice or, or, or somebody else. Um, he changed press secretaries from uh, Saki to uh, Jean-Pierre. Uh, Jean-Pierre. Um, but not because she's any good. Um, Saki just first, wanted to go. She just wanted yeah. to leave. Yeah, she wanted to leave. And to be honest about it, uh, the between 12 and 18 months, there's usually a turnover. People that get burned out um, in an administration, uh, that, that's kind of a pattern that that happens. It's not happening here except with her, and she could make a lot more money over um, doing the same thing at MSNBC except for a much bigger paycheck. But the woman that he picked for press secretary is like the woman he picked for vice president. Neither one was selected for their qualifications, for their communication skills, their experience in the work, uh, for their quick thinking on the feet, for their political savvy. Uh, Jean-Pierre is just clueless. Uh, and they brought in John Kirby, who is not clueless, very experienced from the State Department, allegedly to handle foreign affairs, which are honestly very tricky, very tricky things to answer. There's all kinds of nuances in diplomacy that that take uh, some quick learning, and she's not really capable of quick learning. Uh, but Biden doesn't seem to care. You know, he picked her for the uh, for PC reasons, nothing to do with with communication skill. And turns out she didn't get all the perks that Saki had. So, um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, like um, getting picked up by a chauffeur to come to work every day. She didn't get that. So um, that's a real nice thing for people that have to go somewhere at five in the morning because I don't think the metro starts till six. So. Um, wow. As if, as if they're taking the Metro. Um, so there's a lot of people like that who get chauffeured like the TV stations do for. Oh yeah. Uh, that's the, 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 that's the very nice. Mail. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> I've, nice. I've had that before. It's nice. It's a very nice. It's a very nice gig. Um, so it's, so he, but he's saying that they, 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 the American public just hasn't, gotten how many successes he's had yeah well and his successes he he lists are legislative arcane legislative successes that most americans are like yeah whatever <sighs> well i mean so this brings us to a, a, a story i think it was on sunday that that politico wrote right um which was that democrats are going to try to pursue this this uh, bill for re relocating supply chains for uh, semiconductor chip manufacturing, right? It's going to cost $76 billion in tax credits and subsidies that are going to go into the pockets of corporations that make billions and billions and billions of dollars and uh, already pay fairly low effective tax rates. Intel pays like 8.5%, for instance, which is far below what ExxonMobil pays um, for instance, um, in, in terms of effective tax rate. 
And they're going to have to sell this as their midterm message. With, and their midterm message is basically going to wind up being, hey, we had a legislative success. We stuck, <laughs> we stuck a $76 billion into the hands of really rich corporations. <laughs> Vote for us. Yeah. I mean... Because oh, they don't have anything else. They don't have anything else to run on. There's nothing. They've created nothing. Uh, and, you know, all presidents deserve time off. There's no question about it. It's supposed to be a high pressure. I don't think it's high pressure on him. He's not aware of it. But, but, but if you're not working, if you're knocking off uh, early in the day, the, if the boss is doing it, you know what? The underlings are probably doing the same thing. And uh, it's, it's just pathetic. So they haven't done much. They complain that the people doesn't understand what they did do. I think the public does. They just don't care. Uh, and yeah, this has been sort of the this has been sort of Biden's thing all along is that you just don't have you're not you're not capable of understanding my brilliance. Yeah. I mean, that's it's it's this yeah. sort of condescending attitude towards voters. And, and and again, most of the stuff that they've done either has nothing to do with voter priorities or it's made voter priorities worse, like the energy policies that screwed up, um, you know, the supplies of gasoline when demand started picking back up, that sort of thing. Well, when I was uh, coaching some government people on public communication skills, and I, I often said, um, don't be condescending to people. That means tell them things to show how much you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and they got the message. But uh, Biden's attitude, and therefore the attitude of the entire administration, is exactly the opposite of what it should be yeah because it can't be his fault it cannot be his fault yep yeah um, it, but 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 more to the point i mean to, to get back to your point about not seeing any personnel replacements even when we've seen it in the comms shop which makes sense if you think that your only problem is a messaging problem and it clearly biden's convinced that his only problem is messaging but the people who do the messaging clearly think that that's a loser argument because they keep leaving kate bedingfield left uh, yep. which I think is an even bigger deal than Saki leaving. Um, they had to bring John Kirby over from the Pentagon because Jean-Pierre wasn't um, wasn't cutting it with the White House press corps. And the uh, deputy, the first deputy left, press the first secretary deputy. left because he didn't get the big job. Right. And But the issue is um, about, no, about no changes, no personal changes in the cabinet or really even in the policy areas inside the White House, right? I mean, we're not seeing the national... Have you heard of anybody departing the National Economic Council or any other place no. like that? No. And what this tells me, Andrew, is they're not contemplating policy changes. They don't think they need to change policy. They think that um, staying the course is exactly what they need to do in this instance. Because if you were going to change policy, you'd change the personnel. And if you're going to change the personnel, you would get a, a, a different set of policies. They're exactly. staying the course. That's what this tells me. Exactly. Now, what you have seen from the Hill and other Washington inside publications is talk that they are, that the Biden administration is preparing not for new legislation, but it looks like they've given up hope. They're going to lose at least the House, which will paralyze their agenda. They're given, they're preparing for numerous uh, congressional probes. Uh, well, and yeah. Republicans will pounce. Ed, Pouncing! On, 
pouncing. Yeah, Republicans will pounce on anything. Well, here's the thing. They don't, Watergate aside, they don't turn into anything, okay? I mean, the Republicans had control of the House. They did a big dramatic thing on Benghazi and nothing happened. Yep. Uh, so Washington, both sides kind of take care of each other when it comes to um, investigative reports. Um, the, uh, the results of the um, accountability review board about Benghazi was that there were systemic problems. Uh, that way you don't have to blame anybody. Same thing for the Uvalde failure. Uh, right. There were sy systemic pro uh, problems. That's not Washington, but it is, it's, the, it's the investigative um, easy way out. Yeah, you know, I think that in Uvalde, that's gonna heads are actually gonna roll in Uvalde. I mean, we're, they're already starting talking about stripping the you know, stripping the um, management levels of the police force over there over that. But I'm, this isn't even really about accountability. I don't expect accountability from the from from Biden because Biden still thinks he's the most he's the most brilliant person in the entire town, and that everybody needs to catch up with him. But what I'm saying is that. This isn't even about that. It's really, and, it, and again, I think it's actually related to that. Biden doesn't see the need to pivot, to triangulate. Um, you know, this is a, there, there, were, there are certainly plenty of opportunities here in a 50-50 Senate to try to work with Republicans and then take a little credit for whatever it is that is on their agenda that you can actually live yeah. with. You know, Bill Clinton yeah. did that brilliantly. And Bill Clinton... And he did that in the second half of his first term when Republicans controlled both the House and the Senate. And he managed to steal a march on the entire Republican agenda, just yeah. put his name on it, and he, and he controlled the outcome of it and then took credit for it in 96 when he ran again. I mean, that's that's what you do here. Yeah. But I don't think Biden is smart enough or alert enough yeah. to get that. Uh, it, it, you know, one of the problems with depression, I don't know that he's depressed, but one of the problems with depression is that it seems harder to work to get out than it does to stay in. Yep. And I think that's that's Biden's problem is that it seems like his answer is to take the easiest road, which is, no, things are just OK. We just have to get the message out stronger. Yeah. And all of the evidence now, it may not turn out to be that great come November if conservatives get overconfident um, and if Trump jumps into this uh, race and, and Democrats can use him as a as a stalking horse, you know, and say, well, uh, oh, look, we're, you have to come out and vote for us for for uh, to curb Trump so he won't run in 24. That's what this whole January 6th thing is about. Uh, so um it's not a it's not it's it feels good about uh november 8th but it's not a given you gotta yep. you gotta you gotta come out anyway well yeah and um again i mean this is uh just just talking about where this is going my feeling on this is that he just really thinks he's the most smart he's the smartest guy in washington and that everybody else just hasn't caught up with his brilliance. And that's the and reason no, why. And nobody's going to tell him otherwise. Nobody's going to tell him otherwise. Yeah, I don't think it's, 
I think it's it's not really depression. I think it's more like megalomania. But um, but you know, uh, I guess we can. <laughs> I guess we well, can. You remember remember when Peter Ducey was uh, was shouting a question, and Biden stayed at the and the reporters were being ushered out, and Biden stayed at the podium. And said, "What a dumb son of a bitch." That's the arrogance. Yep. Uh, that comes from just what you said. Um, yeah. That he, he thinks he knows more. Uh, and he's smarter and he isn't he's not and the media is not um holding him accountable no for that. of course not no that victor victor david hansen has a wonderful piece uh on monday at uh at real clear politics uh, uh which is actually very depressing but it's about it's about the military and uh how he's he's hollowing it out and how desperate recruiting goals are now 40% off. Um, and they show, it's interesting. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Recruiting goals are way off. It's not 40%. 40% of, of recruits, military recruits, have some connection to the military, father, grandfather, mother, whatever. And that's dropped into the low 20s. Uh, because they know they're watching this whole Afghan debacle. They're watching yep. uh, Miley and Austin going, going woke on 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 everything, and the you know the rule about uh, if you're out of the military if you don't get the vaccination, and it's not about the military anymore. And um, if 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 you want to be real, you look at the world threats the bad guys out there they're organizing to do something uh, in these next uh, two and a half years uh putin did nothing you know he, he he stole crimea annexed crimea under obama with trump in he did nothing yep. nothing because he was so unpredictable right and as soon as biden came in 60 days after biden came in he started organizing the invasion troops on the border of ukraine uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, they see the weakness, the whole world sees the weakness and, um, somebody's going to do something then it won't be just, oh, it's uncle Joe, this, uh, you know, it could be Taiwan, Chinese moving on Taiwan and calling Biden's bluff. Um, and once again, we're in a foreign military intervention yep. against, against the military that's twice as big as ours. Yep. Well, yeah. on that note, <laughs> yeah. now you've left me depressed, Andrew. So the only, <laughs> yeah, the right. only cure for that are your jokes of the week. By the way, we should we should mention that um, uh, late night might be might be looking uh, might be looking up at late night because Samantha B just got canceled, um, and I don't think that that's been I don't think there's been any humor on that show for the entire seven year run. This is. Um, Samantha B is more like a angry activist who is aiming for what we used to call clap or what we still call clapter. Um, I, I don't think you've ever told a Samantha B joke, but, uh, no. <laughs> so maybe, no. maybe, you know, you, you got Jimmy Kimmel, not Jimmy Kimmel, you get, um, Jimmy Fallon and, and Stephen Colbert going after Joe Biden's age and his Saudi Arabia trip. I mean, maybe things are looking up, Andrew. Maybe we might start getting some well, big it, jokes. It could, it could be. I got to get access to some of these, and I don't stay up that late. <laughs> uh, um, uh, let's see here. Um, 
Uh, so Seth Meyers says it's a, these are all old ones. Right. Seth Meyers recall. He says, according to a new survey, 19% of Americans said they rely on their body's internal clock to wake them at a certain time. That's a term for that. Late. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Jay Leno, back in his day, he said news reports uh, calculated that uh, Barack Obama played more golf in nine months than George W. Bush did in nearly three years. Obama's pretty good, too. Uh, you, you know what his handicap is? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hadn't heard that one before, but you knew it was coming, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And finally, Jimmy Fallon, he said, a seven-year-old British boy took a one-ton bolt to class for bring your pet to school day. Everyone had a good time except the kid who wore a red shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, that kid took the bull by the horns. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Dad jokes. I got all of them. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) All right. That's okay. But if you want to, if you want some serious stuff, as well as the funny stuff, you go to at A.H. Malcolm on Twitter because Andrew is the prince of Twitter at A.H. Malcolm. He's also the regent of Red State, State redstate.com, where he does VIP uh, and VIP gold uh, material there. Malcolm on the right is his uh, routine podcast. Uh, and so it will commentary anyway. So be sure to check that out. Andrew, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next week. You bet, Ed. Thanks very much. Thanks, everybody. All right. Stay tuned for more from the Ed Morrissey Show. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support The Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the town hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.